It's from Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want to start by asking you this very simple question. Have you ever felt like you just don't measure up? You just don't measure up. I was just looking through that as I was studying and looking through that list of things that Jesus was saying. And I was almost subconsciously rating myself against those things he was saying. Like, I was like, am I good at this? I don't know. Am I merciful enough? I think I'm merciful. Maybe I need to be more merciful. And every single thing that he said, I was thinking, well, maybe I'm not very good at that. I'm good at this. And so I was rating myself, am I good or am I, am I not good at these things that, that Jesus is mentioning? I mean, mourning, I don't know. Do I mourn enough? Am I even a mourning person? I don't know. That was a joke, by the way. You know, I was, for those who, who don't know, I was away uh, last week, week before last, and I was in Brisbane for a conference, a veterinary conference. I was learning all about surgery, um, orthopedic surgery, and it was fascinating. It was so enjoyable, and my brain just was pretty exhausted by the end of it. But I found myself surrounded by some really, really, really smart people. I don't know if you've ever had the feeling of being surrounded by smart people, but they're really smart. And, you know, they've got PhDs and they're, they're talking about concepts and ideas that they had in their head for many, many years and the, the things that they're researching. And I've started to think to myself, what am I doing here? I feel like an imposter right now. I don't know anything that they're talking about. Um, and I started to doubt if I actually belonged in, in, that, in that hallowed environment. Am I smart enough to be like these guys who are doing what they're doing? Do I even belong here? I don't know if you guys have ever had a feeling like that before, where you, maybe you feel like you don't quite measure up. Maybe if you're, um, if you're a mum, I was chatting about, Chris, about this with Christy the other day, have you heard of mum shaming? There's a thing called mum shaming. And it's like, well, is the food that I'm putting in my kids' lunch boxes as good as the other mums and what, what food that they're putting in? It's a thing, right? You know, is it a, perhaps it's a body image thing and you're concerned about how you look compared to, to other girls. Maybe it's a guy and a girl thing really these days, isn't it? You know, if it's a guy, maybe it's 
just being in the workplace and, and there's someone else who just does a better job than you and they're just naturally quicker at it, better at it, faster at it. Or maybe it's your friends and they drive a nicer car than you and you feel like you don't quite measure up. Maybe they have a nicer house than you have and you feel like I'm not quite there and I just want to be. Anyway, that's a little bit of my struggle. And we worry about measuring up. We worry about, am I good enough? We're straining to try and get to that, that high ideal of being, perhaps, is it perfection? I don't know, but why do we put this on ourselves? Why do we ask ourselves these sort of questions? Am I measuring up? I'm going to leave that question to linger for a little while, and we'll come back to it later on. So we've got this series on the Beatitudes that we're going to be diving deep into. And every single week, we're going to take one of those sayings of Jesus, one of those Beatitudes, we're going to explore it. My job today is like the intro. I'm just giving you the introduction. I'm the, you know, like the artist who does the broad brushstroke at the beginning. The watercolor artist. And all that you have to do is the sky. That'd be the bit that I'd be good at. Just do the sky. And it's just one little broad brushstroke to give you some context. So that's really my job today is to give you some, some background understanding about these amazing sayings of Jesus. So here's one thing that we, that we learn about um, the Beatitudes. It's part of something a little bit bigger than that and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard that famous saying, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's we, we see smatterings of what Jesus said in the book of Matthew and then we get to chapter 5 and then for the next three chapters, it's a monologue. It's just Jesus talking that whole time. So he's up on the mountain and he's really giving this big picture, his, his manifesto, if you like, of what life should be like. And, he, and this word Beatitudes is not actually in the Bible. So this is an addition. So an extra little word that was put in there by a Latin scholar at some time. It comes from a Latin word and it's like a subheading, if you like, just like the chapters and the verses. They're not put in there by the, the original writers. They're like little extras. So it's, it's called the Beatitudes and because every single time um, Jesus is saying, blessed is. And the Beatitudes, I'm just, I was trying to think of how do we translate that in a way that we kind of understand it. And you could say, how blessed are you when? How blessed are you when this happens? Or happiness is, dot, dot, dot. Those happy, happiness, oh, it's up already. Happiness is memes, okay? So I don't know if you can read this, but this one says, this girl's in bed and she says, happiness is not having to set the alarm for the next day. Can anyone relate to that? That for me, all, all of a sudden, oh yeah, the good hormones are flowing. As I'm thinking about the ideal of not having to set the alarm the next morning. Can you just grasp that emotion that you're relating to right now and store it away in your head? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Happiness is dot, dot, dot. And this is what we're going to explore. The happiness is the happiness. So a little bit more context. For starters, Jesus has taken them all up on a mountain. And I think that's a significant thing. Remember that this is a, a deliberate moment in part of Jesus' ministry where he really wanted to lay some stuff out. He wanted there to be no distractions. So he said, well, let's isolate ourselves. Let's go up onto a mountaintop and I can give it to you all and you can concentrate, not be distracted and listen to what I have to say. It's also very interesting to me. And, and by the way, 
it's it's symbolic in a way the fact that he was on a mountain because you know Moses who gave the law to the Israelites from a mountaintop he received the law on top of a mountain and now we have a new law that's being laid out by Jesus Christ on top of a mountain I think that was deliberate it's also like I said before Jesus first public address and we have this thing that Bible scholars talk about the law of first mention whenever something there's a first of anything we have to sit up and pay attention to what's being talked about and so this is Jesus first big dialogue first big monologue really where he's laying out what he stands for significantly he's just started his public ministry so he's been Jesus in obscurity for many many years just growing up and being his normal self and then what happens is that he goes into the wilderness that he's tempted and I can't remember which comes first is he baptized first and then they said yep so I'm not sure what the answer to that is but he's he's baptized and then he's in the wilderness is that right He's baptized first, then he's in the wilderness for 40 days. He's being tested by the devil and he comes out of that and he starts doing miracles left, right and center like things are busting out like crazy. And he's gathering a following and people are following him, wondering who this guy is all about. And now we get to this moment. He's brought them up onto a mountain. His disciples have come with him. He's brought them up onto a mountaintop and now he starts to speak. This guy who's healing people left, right and center, this guy is just so radical and different. They're all sitting down waiting to see, waiting to hear what he has to say. And so this moment, these three chapters are critical for us to understand. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, these are the words that Jesus wants us to hear about. And these are the words that he wanted his disciples to hear about. This wasn't just another sermon. This wasn't just another thing that he had to say. This was it. And he knew he had a, a short amount of time. He didn't have like years and years worth of ministry ahead of him. He had a short amount of time to lay it all out. The other contextual thing I want us to understand about is the society that Jesus was in was a society that loved the law. They loved laws. They loved rules. They loved it because their whole, their whole religion was based on a law. It was the law that Moses had given to them. And they knew that appeasing God or pleasing God was all about obeying the rules. It was all about getting those things right. And that unfortunately creates this strange dichotomy in the psychology of the Jews. Because they, they either, they busted their guts to try and obey the rules and get those things right. And what happens when you get the rules right? What happens when you get it right? Pretty awesome. Pretty cool. I got that rules right. I got those rules right. And what if no one's looking? You get the rules right. No one got to see how awesome that was that you obeyed the rules. So what do people start to do? They start to make sure people know about it. Because what's the point of me obeying the rules and getting it right if other people around me don't get to see how good I am? So you start to, the behavior started to change and people started to behave in such a way that people would know how holy they were. People would know how good they are. And that's the, the mind games that starts to take place when we base it all around rules. There's that group there that just get the rules right. And there's the other group that go, 
look, I don't have a chance. I've got no chance whatsoever of getting close to those rules. They're so unattainable. Like me, you know, at, at the conference, I'm like, these guys are so smart. They're so far away. I can't measure up. Maybe I'll just give up. Maybe not even bother. I'm just so, so far away from ever getting close to that. I might as well just be, con- I'll condemn myself and I'll just be the scum. I'll be no good and I'll, I'll, I'll accept that about myself. And that was the, the world that Jesus was walking into. That was the world that he was addressing. And can you imagine the people's response to what he had to say? Because it was so diametrically opposed to what they'd grown up with. To what they understood as being right and wrong. He's saying, no, 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 no. This is something completely different that I want you to understand. And I think that they must have had a really difficult time trying to get their heads around what Jesus was saying. But Jesus was taking them on an adventure. He was taking them on something brand new that they'd never seen or heard before. And like every time that we hear something new, what do we do? We, we just reject it. We push it away. It's like, ah, that's just too hard for me to understand. But Jesus, being Jesus, so full of love, wants to take them on a journey of discovery to unlock their minds. And that's really what I hope for us over the next few weeks is that we, we don't just resist everything that Jesus has to say, but we, we absorb it and we listen to it and we process it. And hopefully we come to a point of going along on the adventure with Jesus. So let's have a look at some of the broad things that Jesus was talking about in this passage. The first thing about Jesus' message that he talks about is this thing called the kingdom of heaven. He mentions it twice in these Beatitudes, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. What is this kingdom of heaven? Well, to understand a kingdom means that we need to realize that there's, there's a king. When there's a kingdom, there's got to be a king, right? It's, it's a realm. And Jesus was talking about the realm of the king, the, the, the region, the place, the authority where the king has rulership, right? So wherever the king has rulership, the rules change, things are different. We understand that when we get a new boss, we get a new coach, we get a new prime minister, which we know all about getting new prime ministers, don't we? we? We get a new ruler, we get a new boss, we get a new coach. We understand that things change, don't they? You get a new boss at work and they start bringing in their things that they, they want to bring in, right? Their, their authority, their rules, they're changing things. And that's what Jesus was talking about, the kingdom being different because there's going to be a new king on the throne the other thing that we know and i've just alluded to briefly already is the fact that what jesus had to say was just so countercultural. it was so it wasn't just a little bit different to what they'd understood before it was a lot different it was the opposite different and i think jesus was making it so different there was no opportunity for them to sit on the fence and go, well, look, I'll have a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, and I'll kind of mishmash them together and choose the parts that I like and dispel with the things that I don't like. But Jesus made it so different for them. You had to make a decision. What side of the fence are you going to sit on? What's your kingdom? Like, What kingdom do you want to live in? 
And he was saying, well, if you want to do it my way, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow the king, this king, then things are going to be very different. So as we look down the barrel the next few weeks, I want to give you some, I want to ask some questions. That I want to encourage you to ask these questions of yourself. And the first one's this, how do I respond? How do I respond to these words when I hear them? What's, what's the right way for me? And just like it was for the disciples to get their heads around, I want you to digest it. I don't want you to just gloss over it and just kind of move on because it's too hard. I want you to digest it. Let it sink deep. Let it do a work in you. The first thing we need to understand is that we have to have a posture in our heart to grow. Because if you don't have that posture for growth, obviously you don't grow, do you? And one of the first lines he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Now, I don't want to take steel thunder from whoever's preaching the sermon next week, specifically about that verse, but who is that? Oh, we're good. We're good. If you think that you're full, if you're a full bottle on everything, What's your response? I don't need to learn anything. You've got nothing to tell me that's of any use whatsoever because I know it all. And so you lose the opportunity to grow. However, if you say, man, I I haven't got this figured out. I'm not sure I really understand. The posture all of a sudden is different because you've humbled yourself and you're saying, I'm poor. I don't have the answers. I need the answers. All of a sudden... Your, your hands are wide open and you're ready to learn and you're ready to grow. And I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to have that posture. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to learn. I, there's something that I can gain from this. And if you posture yourself that way, I think that's what Jesus was wanting, to posture yourself in a way that's going to allow you to grow. The other thing that I think we need to get our heads around is that change needs to take place on the inside change needs to take place on the inside it's no good for us to do our our best to follow and obey every single rule running around trying to tick every box but but still being morally corrupt on the inside and that's where the pharisees and the sadducees and those leaders of the law got it so wrong back in jesus day because they're all about externally getting it right but internally they the, the, hadn't actually done a work on the inside of them and that's what Jesus is wanting for us is to allow those things not to be rules and regulations getting it wrong looking at it from the wrong perspective but actually realize that change needs to take place on the inside you know and even in our society today we still love rules we're not Jewish but we still have rules don't we we love them we love getting the rules right and it's whatever's the flavor of the month. Like if it's, you know, um, global warming, like we all got to do the right thing. You've got to recycle, you know, you've got to put your recyclable waste in the bin, get that right. And we all like to tell each other how good we are at doing that. You know, it might be diets and, you know, you've got to be on the keto diet now. That's the thing. Other people is, yeah, can't eat lectins anymore apparently. Or it's cardio and it's, no, Pilates is better. Or it's lifting weights. 
you know, and we're chasing all these external things and it's just, I feel like it's our human nature to want to do things externally. But Jesus is trying to say, look inside. It's the change on the inside that he's really looking for. This will blow your mind. Later on in that same chapter, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's harsh. I have, my, you mean my righteousness has to exceed. And these guys are professionals. They do this for a living of obeying rules. And he's saying, you've got to be better than that. It's almost like you're making it so impossible, Jesus, there's got to be another way. Because you can't measure up to that. I can't measure up to the scribes and the Pharisees. So he's asking something differently of me. A new kingdom means a new king. And it's a whole paradigm shift that Jesus is looking for. He's taking the focus off the rules. He's taking the focus away from you measuring up. And he's putting the focus back on him. Really what he's saying is, I'm the king. If you're looking to me as your king, here, this is the way life's going to look. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. The focus is not obeying the rules and getting these, these check boxes checked. It's looking to Jesus Christ, following him. And that's how change is going to take place. So yes, there's a new king. Yes, there's a new kingdom. But there is one key step that I think we all struggle with. And that's the point that I want to bring to you finally today. Whenever you have a king and a kingdom, there's always a throne. And my question to you today is, in the kingdom of your heart, who's sitting on the throne? Who's there on the throne ruling your kingdom? Because if you're still on the throne, and that's the tendency that we all have, if you're sitting on the throne, that's all well and good and that's completely fine. But you have to have your rules. And you have to live and die by living up to your rules. And that's where we get in trouble. Because, yes, we want to be in charge. Yes, we want to have our own rules. Well, that's great. But our human nature is, I can't live up to my own rules. I set my own standards, but I can't keep them. It's too hard. It's too impossible. Not only that, but we're so insecure that we look at somebody else sitting on their throne and we look at their rules and we go, oh my goodness, they're doing things differently to me. They're living by their rules, but they're not quite getting it right. And, and I'm thinking I've got to change my rules to be like them. And it's, it's just like a two-year-old child who's having a little temper tantrum because they want to do it their way. And it's not until, you know, and you can say to that two-year-old child, okay, well, you can, you can have what you want. You can watch TV all day long and, you know, you can, you can eat nuggets or you can eat um, lollies all day long and, and have the time of your life and knock yourself out. And they will. And they'll eat all that stuff and then until they finally turn into a blubbering mess on the floor where they, they ha haven't been able to sleep and they're like this with sugar. 
until finally they're willing to relinquish that, that authority where they thought they were going to be so happy on their little throne. But they have to relinquish that and say, okay, mum, tell me what to do. I'll do it your way. This is better. And that's exactly what's going on in our heart of hearts too. I think so often we refuse to allow Jesus to sit on the throne in our hearts because we want to be in charge. But when we do that, if we're finally willing to hop off the throne and allow him to sit on the throne, then all of a sudden all of these things that he says make sense. Because what he's saying is, if I'm in charge these things will take place because I'm the ruler of it. I'm the ruler of it. I'm going to say what's, what's going to make you happy and what's not going to make you happy. And if we can allow him to be in charge, all of those happiness is statements that he has to say will actually take place in your heart. And you will be glad. You know that, that first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. You'll be glad, yes, I know I'm poor in spirit, but gee, I'm I'm just so glad because I know that you're in charge of my life. I know that you're walking with me. I know that you've got a better way in store for me. So coming back to that question where we, we asked before at the beginning, am I measuring up? And that clamoring and that desire to be good enough. To be honest, we've been asking ourselves the wrong question. We don't have to do that. We don't have to live that way we can actually relinquish that altogether and allow him to take charge. And that whole measuring up thing can just fade away into the distance. I want to read you one more passage. Paul said it in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This transformation is what Jesus is after in our lives. It's not about confirmation. It's not about following external rules and regulations. It's about something much deeper than that, much more intrinsic. A transformation that takes place on the depths of the inside of you and it can only take place when we allow Jesus to sit on the throne in our hearts 